Hey racers, the 2021 season is about to kick off, so now's the perfect time to refresh your car and reload your shelves. And there's no better place to do that than Premium Sprint Parts. Premium Sprint Parts is your one-stop shop for all things sprint car parts, offering everything from wings to wheels, new or used. They've been a proud supporter of the show since day one, and are located conveniently close to the sprint car capital of the world, Knoxville Raceway. Go to premiumsprintparts.com to check out their inventory, or call 515-371-9511 to talk with a sales representative. Thanks, Premium Sprint Parts. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 23 of the Bench Racing Podcast presented by Premium Sprint Parts. If you don't know me, I'm Ian Farthing, your host for the show as always. Starting off with our usual news section, of course the big talking point will be the results from the Chili Bowl Nationals in Tulsa at the River Spirit Expo Center. Kyle Larson took home his second consecutive driller, leading all 55 laps, but fending off valiant charges from Justin Grant and then Christopher Bell. Justin Grant rolled off the grid second and fought hard for the lead, but ended up making some contact and falling back later in the race. Kyle Larson then had to deal with a charging Christopher Bell, who was going at it for the lead for a number of laps, but ended up hitting a rut and flipping three times. Luckily, he was okay, as we were alerted by his throwing the steering wheel out the side of the car. In World of Outlaws news, David Gravel has just revealed his newest paint scheme with Big Game Motorsports. Pretty awesome blaze orange and black number two car sponsored by Hewsett Speedway. Love that paint scheme. Parker Price Miller has committed to run the full World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series uh, schedule with his family-owned team. Also, uh, Slick Woody's is the new World of Outlaws QuickTime sponsor. Haven't really heard of them, but I'm definitely going to do some research on that. Also, of course, the World of Outlaws are returning to Bristol Motor Speedway. That harkens back to the Channel Lock Challenge back in 2000 and 2001, uh, which you actually can view on Dirt Vision with a free account, so go watch those. They're really cool. Our guest interview this week is with Blake Hahn, who called into the show while sitting in his truck outside the parking lot of the River Spirit Expo Center helping clean up the Chili Bowl. He's the son of legendary racer and Chili Bowl proprietor Emmett Hahn, and he also drives his own ASCS car, the number 52 Oil Fire Whiskey Lucas Oil car. He's always a threat to win at any 360 sprint car event, as well as the Chili Bowl, uh, which he actually made the A-Main this year for, which was pretty awesome. So let's go ahead and roll tape on my interview with Blake Hahn here on the Bench Racing Podcast, presented by Premium Sprint Parts. Joining us here on the Bench Racing Podcast on the Zoom line is Blake Hahn, and Blake, what are you up to? Oh, really not a whole lot. Um, you know, took uh, Monday off and uh, Tuesday going to head to the shop and my uh, grandpa called me and said they need a little extra help at the expo. So I, I headed out here to give my cousin a hand and get everything finished up here. How do you think your chili bowl went? Because you did make the A main, but ended up with some issues and having a DNF in 17th. Yeah, you know, we really had a good start to chili bowl, um, you know, Anytime you can make it to the A feature on Saturday, it's it's a plus. You know, there's a there's a ton of cars and there's a ton of good competition, and um, it seems like it's it gets harder and harder every year. So being able to um, lock it or not lock it in, but be one spot out uh, come Saturday, it was a good good start to our week. But um, uh, had a really good run going Saturday in the 55 lap race was uh, was up to seventh and made some late race contact with somebody and then ended up getting up and over the cushion with just four laps to go. So that ended our night, of course. But um, like you said, ended up 17th and, you know, really in the grand scheme of things, being able to make it into the A-Main was uh, really just a great night for us. Yeah, um, absolutely. So when you were a kid, what kind of sprint car drivers did you look up to? 
Um, you know, I started um, racing uh, micros, actually a junior sprint when I was eight. So I grew up around Fort City. And then, um, of course, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Oklahoma guys. So people like Shane Stewart and Darren Pittman, of course, stood out to me. It seemed uh, seemed like they were always doing good, too. So it's easier to pick guys that were fast. And then um, once I started moving up, I kind of um, started paying a lot of attention to the sprint car stuff. And Jesse Hawkett really caught my eye. You know, he um, he ran a lot of different things coming from the, the midgets all the way to the non-wing sprint cars to the wing sprint cars. It seemed like he uh, he really drove anything he could have the opportunity to. And every time he got into a car, he was fast. So um, he really caught my eye, and I really looked up to him a lot growing up. And then, um, you know, I was able to race with him a few times. And, um, you know, people – I really – now when I'm racing against people for sprint car racers, I look up to people like Brian Brown, you know, um, people who really have their program together and have um, good sponsorships and a good package and seems like a good all-around team going on. But, um, yeah, I really looked up to a bunch of Oklahoma guys growing up when I was younger. Knowing Jesse Hockett, uh, are you always excited to go out to Lucas Oil for the Hockett McMillan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, every time we go there, it's just a fun time. Not not only is it a good race, but that facility there is unbelievable. And and then you we were able to watch a ton of uh, non-wing sprint cars too, which we normally don't get to do running the, the wing sprint car stuff. And um, it's it's really grown to become a prestigious event. And uh, it seems like everybody is coming there more and more. And it uh, makes the competitions different, stiffer. Um, we were able to pick up the win uh, two years ago now, and uh, it was just an unbelievable weekend for us. We were able to win the Thursday night portion and then uh, finish it up Saturday with a win. So it was a great weekend for us, and we were really happy about it. Yeah, Lucas Oil is such a fantastic facility. It seems like you'd always be excited to run there. Yeah, you know, there's not very many racetracks you get to go to where there's a car wash in the pit area. And, you know, really the whole pit area is paved. So for us dirt guys, it's kind of a treat. And, you know, they've got a bar up in the main grandstands and even a little go-kart track for the kids. So it seems like they've got something for everybody around there. Yeah. Um. So uh, can you tell us about the first time you drove a sprint car? Um. Yeah. So the first time I drove a sprint car, I think, was in back in 2012. Um. I drove for um, Mike and Nancy McClellan. They're uh, out of Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and their sons, uh, Sean McClellan and Brian McClellan, both race. And um, Brian actually had a ride at the time, and his sprint car was sitting in his father's shop. And um, uh, my dad kind of kind of convinced him to let us go out, so we were able to take it out to a track that I've ran uh, my micro at before and a midget at before. So I felt really familiar going to the to the place we went to. It was Lawton Speedway in Oklahoma, and um, you know, I really didn't expect a whole lot first night out. I was, I, I, was, I was super excited being able to finally get into a sprint car. Of course, that's, that's what I always dreamed of was being able to um, get into one of those. And then we went out and uh, had a really good heat race. I believe we ran second or third or, or in our heat race, which was not bad out right out of the gate and um, finished the night in uh, 13th, which first night, but not too bad. But, uh, you know, I was tickled to death just being able to be in a sprint car. It was a, definitely a dream come true and uh, something that, I really look forward to my whole life and, you know, I really have to thank them for being able to kickstart my career because it seemed like uh, once I was, I drove that first car, I uh, started picking up a couple other rides and was able to kind of go run a few different tracks. Yeah. So how big of a jump was it up from running micros into a full-size sprint car? Oh man, it's completely different. There's really, there's really no comparison. Um, you know, now, nowadays the, the micros are a lot faster, but when I moved up, um, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of, of wing speed on the micros and that's really what you have a lot of in the sprint car. But, um, fortunate enough, I was able to run a, a midget there for a little while and, 
Um, I think that kind of helped me kind of transition a little bit, kind of sitting in the same way and, you know, getting, getting used to the, the same style of car and, um, you know, being able to swap, it was, it was completely different, but it was, it was still really neat. And, uh, you know, when I run my mic, when we run a micro now, I really feel like I'm kind of out of place now because I'm so used to running the sprint car. Did, when you started running sprint cars, was it straight to the 360 or did you run five stuff? Yeah. So um, my first race was a ASCS car and um, I haven't ran any, the first time I ran anything lower than that was just a few years ago when we ran a, a two barrel at Creek County Speedway. But um, it was a really big jump for me, like going from the, the out all class to to straight to a 360. So, um, you know, the power, of course, I was I was not ready for all of that. So it took a little bit to get used to. And it seemed like the cars were so much bigger at the time. Uh, felt like they were a beast. But, um, you know, looking looking at it now, uh, it seems like just uh, seems like it's a small car like I'm used to when I ran my micro. Yeah, the the 305s, they really have no power. So you really have to drive it straight, it seems like. Yeah, um, you know, I, I haven't ran a 305, but these two barrels that they've got in Oklahoma are a lot similar. And yeah, it, you, you don't have a whole lot of power to, to um, get you out of the cushion if you bury it in too much. So it seems like you want to keep up your momentum a lot. So how long were you running sprint cars before you jumped up to the ASCS National Tour? Um, so I was really lucky, you know, um, I, uh, got a ride with Bruce Griffith, Gr Bruce Griffith in 2013, and we ran the whole year with the ASCS Sooner region and then the ASCS Lone Star region, along with a few races with the Gulf South and, uh, ran a lot of races there, went to a lot of new tracks and really learned a lot. And then, then in, uh, 2014, Bruce decided to go on to the national tour. So that would have been my first year in 2014 going onto the uh, national tour. So I only ran about two years in a, in a sprint in a wing sprint car before we went out there and uh you know uh, jumping out there that early uh i felt like it kind of been in fit me but also kind of kind of sucked all at the same time uh you know it was really tough racing with those guys they're they're very fast and you know at the time when i joined joined the series um there's people like jason johnson you know johnny herrera jeff swindell just um you know the names go on and it was really beneficial for me to be able to race with those guys but i was still getting a butt kicking all at the same time it seems like uh the track variety jumping up from the the southern sort of sprint cars all the way to the national tour seems like there would be a lot of different track types. Yeah, no, you know, so growing up, um, I basically just ran on small tracks. And then um, when I went to the sprint cars, I leaned more towards the small tracks again. That's just uh, something I was more comfortable on. And it seems like uh, once I got onto the national tour, we ran a lot more bigger tracks. You know, we went to Devil's Bowl a few times out of the year and then a bunch of other big tracks throughout the year, you know, tracks in Michigan and, um, you know, Knoxville, of course, and places like that. So I really had to kind of pick up my program on the on the big tracks. And it's really not my it doesn't fit my driving style. I had to woe up a lot and make sure I didn't turn the wheel a whole lot where I'm used to backing her in and getting sideways and not having to worry about scrubbing speed. So, um, you know, I had to get used to that for sure. Um, but then again, growing up, being able to race at these small tracks, I feel like it's made me a better driver also. So uh, being used to running short tracks, does that are you better in the slick because you're really working? You don't have to focus on keeping it straight. Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like I, I'm, I'm a little better when it gets really dry and you have to woe up to roll the bottom or, or run the top. Is when it gets where you have to finesse, I feel like I kind of excel a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's in part of uh, me racing at Port City growing up in the micros and it seemed like you really had to roll the tires really good to be able to be fast there. And I think that kind of taught me some lessons about running the bottom. Yeah, so do you think your experience running all the short tracks helps when you go and run races like the Chili Bowl every year? 
I do. Yeah. Especially, um, you know, I get to run Creek County a few times a year in my sprint car and, um, that tracks so one of those that you definitely are sideways a lot of the way around the track and, um, come Chili Bowl, uh, it feels like, it just feels like home, you know, um, this was the first race I ran in my junior sprint was the shootout and, um, I haven't missed one since then. So it's been about 17 years now that I've ran the shootout. So I've got a lot of laps here and, um, I just feel really comfortable here and it's just a, you know, when I walk in the building, it's just an enjoyable time and my head feels like it's in the right place and I really just enjoy being there. What feels faster around the Chili Bowl track, a micro or a midget? For me, a midget, um, there's there's no other feeling than ripping a midget around the Chili Bowl. Um, the way those cars hook up to the track, uh, carrying wheelies down the straightaway and, you know, really not losing a whole lot of speed through the corners for being how small and tight it is. And, um, you know, when your car is good, you can really keep up a lot of momentum. And um, like I said, there's there's no other feeling, especially rolling down the ramp with all those the fans looking at you. Um, this year is a little bit different with the circumstances being, but, um, you know, everybody made the best of it and we really did still have a good crowd. Yeah. So I read somewhere, if I'm correct, you ran your first 410 race at Park Jefferson this year, didn't you? Yeah, we made the trip up there. Um, uh, it was kind of a weird deal with it being COVID, you know, it was the start of the season and it kind of shut down again. And then, uh, Terry McCarl planned to have his 410 show up there and we figured what better time to debut than go up there and run it. So um, we put our rider 410 in and headed North and, um, really, uh, I don't know what we drew to begin with, but, um, had a good draw the first night and started towards the front of our heat race and were able to pick up the heat race win. And, um, you know, really felt confident after that and was happy with that. And, um, just wanted to uh, get to the A feature was our main goal and to get some good laps. We just wanted to make sure we could get some laps and uh, made the A feature and had some uh, issues with the rear end um, come A feature time and weren't able to finish the race, but um, still were able to get some good laps in and we were happy with it and uh, really got us looking forward to the rest of the races to run the 410 in. So how did you have to adapt the way you drove the car to fit so much more power? Um, man, you know, the cars, I kind of expected the setup to be somewhat similar, but they are extremely different. Um, you know, we, we ran up when the all-stars came through here, we were able to go run with them at some tracks we ran at with our 360 and, uh, it's still tricky, man. Um, it's really difficult. Um, I'm still in a learning process with that. Of course, you know, um, every time we touch the track, we're learning something new and it's one of those deals where the more laps we'll get it, the more laps we get in it, the better we'll get. But um, it's just uh, tricky being able to find some races to run with such a busy schedule with the ASCS guys. And it looks like it's going to be a really big schedule issue. So do you eventually want to go run full time with the All-Stars or the Outlaws? Yeah, I would love to. Um, being located in Tulsa is not quite ideal for, for 410 racing. So um it would be a little bit of a logistics deal there. But, um, you know, really, we do travel a lot with ASCS but it seems like it's it's located more centrally. But that's something I would definitely love to do. I'd, uh, I'd have to get my stuff together and have to get a few more people on board because um, just uh, me and Dalton, my crew guy, working on our stuff now along with my dad on the road. So um, I know running with outlaws is definitely a heavy task, and you definitely have to have your, your stuff in a row before you get on the road with those guys. Uh, what win or championship do you look back on most fondly? Um. You know, I really, I guess the ASCS two championships would be the one. Um, I won a few at Port City with the micros and stuff, but um, with ASCS two, we were able to travel a lot and go to a bunch of different tracks. And uh, the the amount of or the competition that we had during that time was unbelievable. Um, it seemed like uh, every weekend there was somebody different that could win, and 
uh, we were racing with people like Christopher Bell and Kevin Bear, Scott Sawyer, and you know, a bunch of awesome people from Oklahoma. And, and we were picking up some people from Texas also. So it was a good deal. We were able to travel a lot and um, it was some really good competition. And to be able to pick up the championship with those guys, it uh, was definitely a good boost for our confidence. So um, what race would be uh, would excite you most to hopefully win in the future? What race do you want to win most? Um, well, you know, Chili Bowl, of course, is one that, is on my bucket list. We've got we've got a few drillers at the Tulsa Shootout, and um, we're very proud of all of those. But there's no driller better than the Chili Bowl, and um, you know we feel like we've got a really good good uh, chance to be able to do that. We've got a really fast race car, and you know we we feel like we've had a good past few years being able to make it into the A feature. Um, you know we're just one spot away on our prelim night from locking it in. So if we could lock it in on our prelim night and start farther up in the front come Saturday, I don't see why there's no reason we could couldn't have a card battle for the for the win and um, that would just be unbelievable for me I'm being growing up here and my grandpa having the race uh, it's something that I've I've looked at my entire life I've been going to all the chili bowls and seeing all the winners it's um it's unbelievable there's no other feeling like it I'm sure yeah I've actually never been to the chili bowl but I am planning to go in 2022 uh it seems like there's no other race that's even comparable to the amount of cars and the amount of competition there is there yeah, it's neat. You know, with it being the time of the year that it is, it seems like it attracts a bunch of drivers from, you know, a bunch of different uh, uh, classes, of course. And it seems like everybody's gunning really hard. It seems like everybody brings the best stuff they can. So, um, you know, racing's always good. And going back to small short track racing, uh, you can you can lean on people and throw some good sliders. And, um, you know, when there's 300 cars in any class, you can, you can say it's going to be a good race when it comes down to the end. And um, you know, really just the atmosphere of the race, being able to walk into the building and feel the excitement from the fans um, uh, goes back to really there's no other feeling like it. And uh, really it just comes down to everybody's there for one reason and it's to watch some awesome racing. Yep. And I was watching the shootout on Flow Racing and it seems it seems comparable to the Chili Bowl and levels of competition there is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with the shootout being right before Chili Bowl, it seems like now, um, drivers are wanting to come to the shootout too, just to get some extra laps before Chili Bowl. You see drivers like Christopher Bell and um, myself, of course, and Jason McDougall, and you know the list goes on of micro drivers that um, or major drivers that are coming to the shootout to just to get some extra laps. And um, and then of course the the young guns that have been racing micros all year long, you know, um, get those guys getting all the laps all year long and bringing it to to the shootout. Um, definitely got stiff competition and then it's pretty neat to see um all the different people from all of the different states you know you've got california and it uh, seems like north carolina's got a good good batch of cars coming up now and indiana oklahoma of course so it's a good little battle and rivalry between the bunch and uh, makes it good for good racing so before the chili bowl do you ever really shake your car down or do you just take it right to the expo and run it yeah right to the expo typically um Last year, we built a new car, and we were able to run Gateway in December at, in St. Louis. So um, that was the one race we, we went to before Chili Bowl. But, um, you know, this year, we, we were able to run the midget throughout the year and didn't really change anything from uh, our, our regular season to the Chili Bowl car. So uh, the car was sitting there ready to go, and uh, everything was ready to rock. Did you run Indiana Midget Week this year? 
No, we don't, we're not able to do that with our schedule. Um, it seems like every year it's on one of our race weekends, um, but it's something I would definitely love to do. And it was be on our bucket list. Um, you know, there's a bunch of neat tracks that are there and it seems like, again, the competition up there is unbelievable. So could you walk us through a typical night of racing with ASCS national tour? Um, so for me, basically, um, you know, we travel to the, to the track um, it's me and my dad and my crew chief Dalton and uh, sometimes my fiance and, you know, we head to the track and try to get there around uh, one or two, um, get there, get everything unloaded, get everything set up and uh, kind of relax there for a little bit. Um, it's kind of the calm before the storm. So um, typically we try to have all of our stuff ready at the shop. So all we have to do is unload and go. So um, unload, get everything ready and kind of kick back for a little bit and uh, wait for about two or three hours before drivers meet and then kind of get everything ready to go, get the car on the heater and, you know, kind of get the game face on and, of course, go to the driver's meeting and sit there and listen to them and kind of chit-chat <laughs> with our friends, of course. You know, after you hear it a few times, you tend to kind of zone it out and chit-chat with your buddies. But um, after that, you know, go back to the trailer, get the old fire suit on and get ready for hot laps. And um, right after we get the fire suit on, push off the fire heat and get everything ready to go. Yeah, I got the opportunity to pit crew for a friend of mine at the 360 Nationals, and it seemed like everyone before the race was just having so much fun. Oh yeah, it's a it's an unbelievable experience there. Uh, it's it's one of those races that everybody's looking forward to, and seems like another one where everybody's bringing their top game. And it's kind of like Chili Bowl. It seems like uh, you get to see your one group of friends at that race that time of the year, so everybody's excited to see everyone. Yeah. The only problem with Saturday at the 360 Nationals last year was it was so hot outside. And that's the problem. So we spend our whole summer in Washington and the weather's beautiful and we drive all the way back to uh, to Knoxville for, for the Nationals and then it's scorching hot. So we kind of get a rude awakening back to the summer that we've left. Yep. Uh, does the heat affect the way the car, the engine runs at all? No, not typically. Um you know, the fueling is a little bit different, and when the air is a little cooler, the engines run a little better. But um, other than that, there's not a big difference. You can't really tell a whole lot. So what hobbies or interests do you enjoy outside of racing? Um, I don't really have a whole lot outside of racing. You know, I'm, it keeps me pretty busy throughout the week. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to work on my car throughout the week, and that's um, mine and Dalton's job is to maintain and make sure everything's good on the car and you get it ready for the weekend. So um, me and Dalton spend the week at our shop. And um, really when I got time off, I like to just relax and um, maybe just go out and enjoy the out outdoors. Um, maybe go fishing, um, you know, camping a little bit if we can. Um, I enjoy going to the river when we get off weekend or two, but I uh, really don't get to see a whole lot of those. Mm -hmm. So how has your grandpa been a role model throughout your career? Um, it's been really neat um, for him to be able to be a race car driver and then kind of transition to the role of being a promoter. Um, it's been cool for me to kind of see both aspects of, of the racing world. So um, he's got a lot of knowledge as a race car driver and chassis guy. And, um, you know, that helps us. And we we're able to talk to him about stuff on a race car and, um, you know, being able to uh, see what he does for the racing community with uh, ASCS and then with Shootout and Chili Bowl. Um, uh, just seeing the relationships he builds and the friendships he has is um, something that I look up to. Um, seeing the way people respect him and then the way he respects others um, 
uh, just kind of shows me the type of man he is. And that's something I really look forward or look up to. Um, you know, when I was younger, I, I really looked up to him being a good race car driver and, and all that. But um, as I get older, I kind of look at um, more of things like that of him just being a very loyal person and um, respectable and respectful. So um, um, as recent, it seems like I can look at to those characteristics more than, um, you know, being a good race car driver and, and a good promoter. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely seems like a good, well-rounded person. So being sort of affiliated with the Chili Bowl, how much work goes into building the track and building the stands before the races actually start? Um, it's unbelievable. Um, I don't get to see all of it that goes into it, of course, but um, I, I help when I can and when they need help. But, um, you know, it starts a, a few weeks. Well, it starts about December 9th before shootout. So a few weeks before shootout, they're already moving stuff in at the expo. And um, it uh, it's a long, drawn-out process, but it seems like every year they get better and better at the things they do. And, um, you know, it starts with the dirt. And, you know, it's all these other little tiny things in the whole building that people don't realize they have to bring in for this one event. So, um, and it's a, it's a huge team effort. Um, there's a ton of people behind the scenes that definitely don't get the uh, – the appreciation shown that they deserve but um you know without everybody doing what they do it definitely wouldn't be possible so what life lessons have you learned in racing oh man pretty much all my life lessons because i've been around racing my whole life so um, you know i've been able to learn a bunch of lessons as in you know never to burn bridges because you never know who's going to be your friend later on in life so um, you know i i just tend to treat people the same whether it feels like i've i got um, the short end of the stick, I'm just treated by the same. And, you know, it, it just goes to a bunch of other things. Um, kind of treat people the way you want to be treated can also be translated into race people the way you want to be raced. So um, it seems like you can kind of correlate a bunch of racing, things like that to life lessons also. Yeah. So any other tips for young drivers? Uh, man, just uh, work hard, seriously, and work on your cars. Um, that's one thing I feel like has benefited me the most. Um, I'm in my shop every day of the week working on my car, and it seems like if something goes wrong on the track, um, before I'm off the track, I've kind of I already diagnosed it because I, I know all my things on my race car. So that's one thing is I get to know your race car, get used to everything on it and know exactly what's on it. And, you know, the setup is uh, another thing. And you just got to work hard, seriously. You can't ever give up. And when you feel down, you just got to keep on going. Do you ever get the opportunity to run Creek County in your sprint car? Yeah, so we get to run there in the ASCS car about four or five times a year. And then um, sometimes when we have an off weekend, we're able to run the two-barrel sprint car there on their weekly shows. But um, when we're able to run the ASCS car there, it's uh, always a fun time. It seems like a uh, it seems like the races is, racing is always good. Um, it seems about the last five or six times, uh, me or Seth Bergman or Sean McClellan, seems like us three are in the top three every time. It, sometimes it changes. Uh, one will win, the other won't. And, um, it's always good racing there. And it's uh, definitely one of my favorite tracks. I feel um, I feel like it's one of the races we go to. Yeah, short tracks, especially in 360s, always produce good racing, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, one other track that I really enjoy is Skagit in Washington. Um, that one's one. Um, it actually, it's really, it seems small, but it races really fast and um, it's very racy. You know, it's it's kind of rough with a few holes, but it's also slick. So it kind of makes it tricky. And it's one of those small tracks that you can lean on each other with and mm -hmm. have a good time. In your opinion, what are some of the nicest racetracks uh, and facilities that the ASCS National Tour goes to throughout the season? 
Um, Lucas will definitely have to be the number one for sure. And then um, Knoxville, Iowa is really, really nice also. Um, another track that we just went to this year it wasn't with a national race, but it was a ASCS region and it was Longdale, Oklahoma, which is a track way out in uh, Western Oklahoma. And, you know, it's a, it's a very nice track. It's just kind of far ways out there. So it was neat to be able to go there, but um, you know, I'm sure there's some tracks I'm missing that are deserve some shout outs. Um, you know, another one, Skagit's got a really good thing going on when we go there for dirt cup, uh, you know, the fans are, are swarming in. So it makes it very enjoyable for us. Yeah, all those tracks uh, up in the Pacific Northwest, a lot they, there are a lot of really nice facilities up there. Yeah, they do a very good job. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those deals where I wish we were able to go to more of them. Uh, going to Elma and Skagit up there, we get to go see our friends and see all the race fans and uh, their diehard fans. It'd be it'd be great for us to be able to get to Oregon. Uh, we have got some California races booked this year, so it's uh, exciting to be able to go that way. Yeah, California's got some pretty cool places, too. I haven't gotten the chance to go out there and watch any racing, but Chico seems really cool. Yeah, we went to Tulare a few years ago, and I think we get to go to Tulare and Hanford again this year. So what are your career aspirations kind of going forward? Really, I, uh, I'm i not sure. The, I really would like to run with the World of Outlaws, but um, I'm perfectly content with running ASCS. I feel like we've got an opportunity to win the championship, and... Um, uh, I feel like we've got a good team and good fast race cars, so I don't see that there's any reason why we shouldn't. So that's uh, that's one thing I'd like to do before we move on is win a championship and then uh, kind of see where our future goes after that. Well, Blake, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and good luck this season. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad you had me on. So that'll be the end of my interview with Blake Hahn here on the Bench Racing Podcast. Thank you to Blake for taking some time out of his busy schedule to record an interview here on the show. And good luck on the ASCS circuit this year. If you'd like to support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps spread the show to new listeners and audiences. And if you'd like to submit a listener voice message, which could be featured in an episode, go to anchor.fm slash benchracingpodcast slash message, or just click the link in the episode description. If you'd like to contact the show, please feel free to send us a Twitter DM or a Facebook message. Twitter is at brppod. And Facebook is at The Bench Racing Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'll see you next week with another great interview. Thank you.